came to realize that what started out as a natural disaster became a man-made disaster. We cannot control the natural disaster, but what we can do is control our response. Have you ever wondered whether disasters are actually natural? If so, you're in the right place. Hello and welcome. My name is Jason von Medding. And I am Ksenia Chmutina. This is Disasters Deconstructed, a podcast where we examine why disasters really happen. Thank you for tuning in. From the very beginning, communication about disasters beyond the silos of academia has been central to the mission of our podcast. And if you remember, in season two, we turned towards narratives and stories as a kind of focus of our podcast. And also, we have been continuing in that vein so far in season three. Um, So last week, we talked to members of a writing collective, and we also have episodes on songwriting and photography coming up very soon. But today, we are so thrilled to welcome two podcasters that blaze a trail for us in a lot of ways. In a conversation about hazard and disaster-related podcasts, their work will inevitably come up. And when Ksenia and I started planning Disasters Deconstructed, their podcast stood out to us for its energy, humor, and intellect. I am, of course, talking about the Dukes of Hazards, Mitch Stripling and Andrew McMahon. Mitch and Andrew, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks so much. Hey, thanks. Thanks, y'all. Right. First things first. Welcome, guys. So how did you start the podcast? And, you know, how did you get together and start podcasting? But also, most importantly, I really want to know about your experiences. You know, what kind of stood out for you over the years that maybe was funny or weird or kind of epic? So give us all the dirt. That's all we want to hear. Wow. Okay. Well, I'll take a stab first, Andrew. Um, I, you know, we started sort of many years ago, almost like in this, in the, the sands of time in internet time. Like it's like 300 years ago, just after the signing of the declaration of independence, because we do it so rarely because of we're working emergency managers and it's Mm. sort of so hard for us to get together. And when we first did it, it was just us. Like we had all these segments, you know, we would do sort of, we're, we're doing movie reviews. And then um, Andrew came up with a much better idea to, to try and do interviews to go in depth with some of the people that we really respected in the field. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are lots of epic stories around that. I, I remember in particular how nervous we were to interview Craig Fugate. Like we were just like shaking in our <laughs> boots when the former uh. administrator of FEMA came on. And like, it is such a painful interview to listen to now <laughs> because we weren't like asking hard hitting questions. We weren't, di- we were basically just like lobbing softballs and like brown nosing all over him because he's just, <laughs> you know, like just amazing. (laughs) And so, uh, so it wasn't our, maybe our finest hour, but I mean, it was great. You know, he had great stories and great things to say, but I, I think that I I guess I'm hoping we've grown as interviewers, but like the level of pain and beer it required of Mm. us to be, to become better interviewers is kind of a saga. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. That that was quite a podcast. I mean, I think to start out, we just, we were both podcast fans. We both listened to podcasts. Um, We both, enjoy discussing emergency management and we just and at the time there wasn't a lot of emergency management disaster podcast out there so we thought well let's just get together and talk about emergency management and like mitch mentioned we we first started kind of like googling current disasters and then talking about it and it was very is very rough you know it'd be me, me like saying 
Yeah, a crazy thing happened in Birmingham today. Let's talk about it. And it was just <laughs> probably not the most captivating discussion. So, yeah, as Mitch mentioned, we started doing interviews. And I think that format has has worked a lot better for us. I can identify with, like, becoming better at interviewing. I think, uh, like we were talking before we came on this uh, recording, the commitment of, like, weekly podcasts that Ksenia and I have undertaken, which is which is kind of crazy on one level, but also it um gets gets us a lot of practice in there yeah i feel like it it just has makes my mind race all the time and trying to dream up these questions that we're going to um discuss with people and and also it re- it requires you to read into a lot of different issues which is just great in terms of um growing personally too in my opinion i you know the i think that's right and i think doing it weekly would probably kill us i don't know if we would survive a month of that so y'all y'all have like the level of stamina which is impressive i so impressive. i remember most of ours we've done vir- virtually we usually do them in my place and i remember when we interviewed sherry fink who like is a pulitzer prize winner and like very mm-hmm. impressive she she came over to my house cool. and was like kind of hanging out with us eating cookies and is like very precise you know, and very uh, impressive and just very like kind of awe inspiring. And I, I, we were like, just at least I was, Andrew, I think you handled that one better. I was kind of fanboying a little bit. And, and it, that's actually great. She brought up so many good, useful things about emergency <laughs> management. But I just kept thinking, Sherry Fink is here eating cookies. You know, how are we going to land this exactly? Yeah. And the, and the weird thing was she brought her Pulitzer with her and set it down on the table, like really <laughs> aggressively in front of a, No, I'm just kidding. Not, not with a spotlight. There's yeah, a little that, spotlight she had that just shined. It. It right. Weird. Yeah. That yeah. just shone down on it. It was funny though, because all of our interviews had been done remotely like this. You know, we get someone on the phone, mm-hmm. we wire them through. And then Sherry was like, uh, you know what? Like, I'll just come over to your house. And we're like, uh, uh, okay. <laughs> and so sitting across the table, you know, is, uh, but it ended up being great. I think that's, that's one of the things I've, uh, learned about doing this podcast. I'm, I'm an emergency manager, right? And I started out as a planner and I like to plan and I like to have things laid out and organized. And this podcast has stretched me in that way in that. You don't really know how an interview is going to go. And Mitch and I are extremely busy. And so we don't have time to really plan these things out. And it has stretched me in that, you know, uh, I did a you know five minute search. Okay. I, I may have read this person's book. Okay. Let's show up and let's just have a conversation. Yeah. And that's, that's a good space to be in. And I think fosters kind of uh, a realness, you know, as in, in part of the interview. Yeah. I had um, Anthony Oliver Smith in my office in Gainesville. I was kind of, uh, I just, I just got lost, like <laughs> listening. I could hardly think about what to ask next and just kind of hanging on his every words and forgetting that I need to be thinking ahead <laughs> to the next part, you know? Yeah. 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 I think that was the episode when I was like the most quietest, right? Yeah. yeah. And that's what makes it awesome though. When you're interviewing somebody that exceptional, right? That you're just um, that you really are kind of lost in it. And I think yeah. that makes for a good podcast too, when it's a, when you sort of are able to let that structure go and really tell a story. Of course, your podcast has a bit of a different focus than ours. 
it was um, one of the podcasts that we uh, kind of looked at when we were exploring what was out there. Um, and you're in Dukes of Hazards, emergency management features much more strongly than it does in ours. Um, so I wanted to ask you about who you were trying to reach in the first instance with your content. And um, what was the intention at the start? And over time, did you end up reaching any audience that you didn't expect to? Um, and what did that look like since uh, from where you started to where you are now? Yeah, so I think, you know, it's going back a ways, but I think when we originally kind of started talking about this and planning it out, it was really partly an excuse for Mitch and I to get together and have a beer and talk shop because mm-hmm. Mitch and I used to work at the same organization and, and now we work at different places. So uh, it, was, it was a way for two friends to hang out. Mm-hmm. But also I think um, it's emergency management is a field and there are some organizations that have big emergency management groups, mostly in the public sector. Uh, but a lot of other places, it's maybe one or two emergency managers and not a ton of people to really talk content with or lessons learned. And so, you know, starting out, I think it was geared more toward other emergency managers as a way to to talk about disasters that are ongoing, to interview practitioners in the field and kind of experts. But I have been surprised at kind of the non-emergency management community Mm -hmm. that that has started listening to it. And I think, you know, that's a testament that Everyone goes through disasters. Everybody has emergencies. You've got personal emergencies. You have organizational emergencies, whether you've been trained in the field or not. It's something that everyone eventually will go through. And um, so I think that definitely has evolved over time. Yeah, I think that's, yeah, that's all right. I think trying to reach emergency managers was always central, partly because in my view, emergency management, it's still a really young field. Right. There are professional emergency managers. There are college courses, but a lot of it isn't it. You know, it just hasn't been around as long as like being a doctor or a lawyer. Right. It's like 40 years of work. And so there are a lot of people that don't know the like the scholarship and the history. You don't have a lot of the best practices. The curriculum isn't always there. And so the more we were able to kind of get in and really look at the sociology or the anthropology or something in a fun way that was useful to people. I think that's sort of what we really wanted is is giving people lessons they can really use in these emergencies, whether they're personal or organizational, and, but try to do it in a way that's like, a, you know, a little half drunk, which is how we prefer to learn our emergency <laughs> management theory. Um, it's really and, the best place. That's, yeah. And so that that's the right level. Well, yeah, I, we're just thinking sometimes we some of our episodes are like pretty grim and there's not enough fun, fun like, humor in them and we're like maybe you just need to be more drunk well i so i think one thing about it is i've learned that it's hard not to laugh inappropriately at some of the really yeah. grim topics i don't know if you've experienced this but like when you just deal in emergency yep. management you're thinking about this horrible stuff all the time right yeah. it's like and for some reason there are just these weird trickle triggers where i have to keep myself from laughing mm-hmm. in ways that i do not feel great about uh, in myself, but, but you're just around it so mm-hmm. much, you know. I don't know if you do. You have tips for that? Do you bite the inside of your cheek? What do you do to kind of keep that from happening? I just I remove it afterwards in the editing. <laughs> like <laughs> you guys were saying that you had kind of a no edit policy, but I I think um, people would see a different side of us if we had a no edit policy. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's like less of a policy and more just laziness. 
yeah, that's true. It's <laughs> it's time is of a premium. I, I, I think humor is definitely a uh, coping me- mechanism in disasters, you know, and, and I think that certainly comes through as a, as a way to deal with kind of the the crap you're going through at the time. Mm. And you see that come through in, you know, Craig Fugate's interview. I mean, I think that's partly why one of Mitch and I's favorite like disaster movies is this, this is the end, you know, which is by uh, James Franco and, um, Oh crap. What's his name? Uh, Seth, Seth, uh, Rogan, uh, Seth Rogan. Thank you. And I think it's, it's a comedy, but it's actually probably the most realistic disaster movie out there because there is humor, you know, entwined in it, and it's probably pretty depictful of how people would actually mm-hmm. act. Isn't Satan in that movie? Just in terms of its realism, isn't there like a giant demon <laughs> I think or something? He that does make an appearance. Yes, yes, yeah. Satan does. Well, that's. I mean, that's real. That's real. That's real. Satan's real. We all have to do. That's right. I mean, that's. If there's one thing left for 2020 to give us, it's Satan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> oh, yeah. So, you know, talking about kind of making podcasts um, and laughing during podcasts. So Jason is telling me that basically podcasts, um, podcast equipment uh, is pretty much impossible to buy these days because it seems like everyone started making podcasts during the lockdown. Um, So do you guys think that podcasting is something that anyone can do? And like, should, should anyone and everyone do podcasting? What are the kind of essential ingredients apart from great sense of humor, as we all have, clearly. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think um, technology's gotten to the point where everybody everybody can make podcasts, basically, Get, given a certain amount of like disposable income, right? I think there is a level of privilege at work thinking everybody can do it, because you do need a laptop, you need some kind of a microphone, but it's gotten much simpler. And so, and there are also public facilities available here in New York. You can not now when we're on lockdown, but you, there are, there are libraries, there are recording facilities you can use. Should they is a real question. You know, I've noticed during coronavirus, it, like there are so many, like, I'm just going to say it because I am one. There are so many like white dudes in their room feeling that everybody needs to know their emotions going through it, you know, like day by day kind of things. So I, I guess. I, I really want people to come into podcasts with a unique story, like with a new, with a new voice and an eye towards who it is you think should be listening to you and why. Um, and I think trying to, trying to elevate those new voices out there, especially in disasters and emergencies would be really helpful because I think it's an area where there hasn't been as much diversity as in some other areas and that we could really see some cool new stories, uh, being told. Mm-hmm. I think that's right, Mitch. Yeah. I mean, I think if you, if you have an interesting topic, if you have a unique perspective on maybe even an old topic, um, and I think the other key thing is you got to enjoy it. You know, you got to, you got to either enjoy the person you're doing it with or the topic because whether you want it or not, that, that will come through, you know, and I think Mitch and I have gone months and months <laughs> with, between episodes and partly that is just, just scheduling everything. Uh, and partly it's because we both have high stress jobs and we tend to get burnt out. We need a little break. And so I think, um, you know, being aware of that and, and coming back to it when you feel energized and ready to is, is an important component of it.
I was glad you didn't go in the direction of um, we stopped liking each other as much, which is a, a possible direction <laughs> for, for that conversation. <laughs> like Simon and Garfunkel. <laughs> I, I mean, it, it, I don't. I, there are so many Garfunkel jokes. I guess that come to mind. But I, let's lay off the poor guy. I mean, I think he, he did okay. I haven't had a haircut in three months, so I'm definitely like the Garfunkel of this analogy. <laughs> what is that? I haven't either. No, everybody's scared to cut my hair. I don't, you know, um, I don't know why. It's just kind of wild, but it is, it's getting wild. Um, and I get, that's the other thing is I think it is helpful to do it with somebody. You know, mm-hmm. during COVID, because I'm a public health emergency guy, I did some online like Facebook lives and video things about COVID to give you know, hints to family and friends and others about masking and that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed answering the question, but it's hard to sustain. It is, it is nice when you have a partner that you want to hang out with. Um, and I think that Mm. that helps contribute to the the fun of it too. How are you guys doing together? You know, are you, are you going to stay together? Are you, do you have, (laughs) yeah, let's talk about you guys. Let's get, let's let's turn it around. (laughs) This is a new and uncomfortable direction for our podcast is to for <laughs> to be asked I questions. Words. Use I words. Use I words. <laughs> oh, God. No, I, I I think um I think you're totally right about it being a good chance to hang out with your friends. I mean it's it's great to connect and work on things together. We do a lot of research together as well, and often it's connected to the topics that we're interested in and we kind of feed it into the the structure of this of the season that we're working on um we also have found that we get to know a lot a lot of people um doing really incredible work that we might try to you know work on something else um with in the future after we interview them which is kind of a cool thing as researchers it's definitely a a highlight of my work week uh. for sure just being able to hang out and do work and also just have fun you know yeah but yeah i think like you guys are absolutely right that like it comes from a kind of place of friendship you know i don't think um i'd be able to talk to like anyone uh, for such a long time you know spent hours literally of my life just like talking about this <laughs> stuff with somebody that i don't particularly like you know? <laughs> That might be fun to listen to too, though. I think do just doing a podcast with like a frenemy, like a frenemy podcast, where you can just feel the like <laughs> hatred lurking below the polite surface. I think there could be some drama there. Oh, that would be I'd great. like to see somebody try that. <laughs> I would listen to that. Yeah, yeah totally. Mm-hmm. Remember, Ksenia, we had some ideas for an, inviting a certain reviewer of our paper on. <laughs> 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 we should Sorry, like I choked on water and you said it. <laughs> we should maybe we should come back to that sometime because that would be quite an episode. <laughs> I think I think that's yeah. actually a series. I think a podcast <laughs> where like researchers confront their reviewers about comments <laughs> would be like there would be a you'd get an audience for that. You know, my wife's an academic and I think she would totally listen to something where you could chew out paper reviewers. Wow, yeah, that would be amazing. Right, but also, we can like, I can totally do the kind of British passive aggressive, you know, whereas you can go like full American. <laughs> It'll be great. I, I mean, I was just going to say I'm Southern. So we, 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 uh, we have bless your heart, you know, so yeah. it's the same kind of thing. It's not quite British, but, but it's like bless your heart. Yeah, there's, there's plenty of passive aggressiveness. Bless your heart. I like that. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, we got that. So we've talked a bit um, about using humor in the show. And so that's kind of something that stands out to me about Dukes of Hazards. And I just wondered, like, how, how much of that is just kind of on the fly? You know, you just find things funny and laugh and joke about stuff. Or how much of that is something you set out to do as part of your creative process? Yeah, I think we kind of set out to do it. I mean, just starting with the stupid name, Dukes of Hazards, you know, which is like a play on a horrible 70s uh, TV show yeah. that Mitch and I both grew up watching. Yeah. And uh, and also kind of, yeah, speaks to, I think, Mitch and I's personality, which that doesn't take ourselves too too seriously. And then going back to the point of, you know, within every disaster, there is uh levity and there is humor i think it's a line that we quite haven't quite figured out where it is i mean i know that it's gotten to us gotten us into trouble a couple times we have a thing we do like lightning round at the end of episodes Mm -hmm. and i think one of the questions early on was like what is your fate not favorite disaster but what's the disaster you remember the the most Mm -hmm. or yeah and a couple times people were like (laughs) people were like 9 11 and we're just like oh how do you it's just really hard to come back from like (laughs) yeah uh, some of these disasters (laughs) especially the 9 9 11 one but so you know i think it's 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 a tough road i think most with humor, it's got to happen organically, or it just seems forced and and uh, fake. And uh, I think some some episodes are probably have a little bit more humor in them than others, and some are a little bit more uh, uh, serious. But uh, they're they're all all a good time. And I, part of our humor is, at least I'll own this for me. There there's this awkwardness, right, of not quite knowing whether something's going to land or not and how deep it's going to go or how, you know, so there are so many times in episodes where like we just say, or at least I say like the wrong thing, you know, like you, you're, you're trying, you don't know if the guest is going to be serious or funny and you go one way and they go the other way. And then there's just this sort of awkward silence, which I think, and there's like humor in that because we're just so human and that the humanity of it, like Mm -hmm. makes the, the awkwardness sort of okay. Because I think, all of us, when we confront disasters, there's a way that they are sort of very human and, and very honest and authentic and, and also that you can't fully understand them. They're all of these things, you know? Mm-hmm. So, so, but I think there is this, we're always trying to find the right balance and we never quite do. And that's part of the story of the show, right? Is that we're sort of always trying to figure that out and not quite managing it. So I was just going to say, Craig Fugate, I know, you know, when he was on, we were like, Craig, do you want us to provide you the questions ahead of time and we'll send them to you? And he's like, do not provide me the questions. It's better radio. <laughs> okay. <laughs> We're like, okay, good to know. We're like, no, he really, he was like, be the journalist. He was like, come on guys, be, be more like journalists. Like yes, that sir. was really, we're like, okay, great. Yes, yes sir. Commander <laughs> it was funny. A couple, a couple months after the uh, interview with him, I, I was at a conference and he was speaking and afterwards there was like a long line to talk to him and I waited in line for like 30 minutes and finally gave up. I was like, this is just not going to happen. But I had his cell phone number from doing the interview. So I texted him later. I was like, Hey, Craig, sorry. I didn't get a chance to, to, of course, you know, I texted Craig Fugate and he was like, uh, sorry, I didn't get a chance to see you had to run. And he goes, all he responded with was, you should have been more aggressive. 
Oh, wow. <laughs> That's right. That I great. think it was just hilarious. Lean it, that was it. a joke. Like he was, yeah, exactly. Lean in. He was being funny, but uh, so I think the humor comes out in different ways. Yeah. People sometimes like compare us to Car Talk, which is like ridiculous because I think our listenership is like one one millionth of the Car Talk thing. But except they like really knew about cars. Do you know what mm. I mean? Like they can like actually understand all of the car things that they're talking about. And we're always sort of struggling to understand all of the disaster things we're talking about. So um, I, that, that was it. That point was not as profound as I thought it was going to be when I was going to make it. And I'm just going to live with the awkwardness of that. Cause I made a whole point about that. There we go. <laughs> um, like, well, what I wanted to ask is uh, about kind of the recognition. Well, let's use the word fame. Right. And, not seeing the faces so like i had this really awkward episode once where i was just sitting and talking at a meeting right and this guy was just like staring at me and i asked him i said is, is there a problem like why are you staring at me um and he said well because i'm used to hearing your voice like and i'm kind of forget that you're a person right and, like you're sitting in front of me and the same kind of voice coming out of your face um so <laughs> have you like D- did you feel that people all of a sudden know you and like you don't know people and how did you sort of deal with that? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I'm trying, you know, I don't think <laughs> there's not a lot of that. I think, I think, but I have, there have been times <laughs> in meetings. One time somebody passed me a note that they liked the show after a meeting. And then I got stopped at an office of emergency management once to think, I think if anything, sometimes it does, it gives you a little, credibility in the field that you kind of halfway know what you're talking about Mm. but i don't but we don't really have any like i've never gotten fan mail or anything i mean i haven't gotten a mail bomb either so that's probably good but uh but i I don't know that there's been a lot of that kind of stuff andrew do you have secret fans you probably have more fans (laughs) i i have not figured out how to monetize the fame yet which is part of the problem (laughs) <laughs> right which and i don't make any money on this but same same thing it's like we've yeah i had a, had a couple people in meetings being like i know you have a podcast type thing uh but that's really funny that somebody out in public recognized your voice though that would i think that would kind of freak me out Andrew Mish, thank you so much for chatting to us. It's, it's been an absolute pleasure. You've made so many walks to work um, so much more entertaining and informative for me, you know? Yeah. So it's really great to talk to you. Thanks so much for having us. Oh, I'm, I'm like blushing. Yeah, thank you so much. This has been great. <laughs> and y'all are great too. And I really have enjoyed a lot of your podcast episodes as well. So keep them coming. Uh, thank you. Yeah, it's Yay. been been such thank a pleasure you. to have you guys on. I hope we can reconnect again soon. Well, thank you all for being with us today. And before you go, a few quick reminders about how you can stay connected with the podcast. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at DisastersDecon. The podcast is available on all the major platforms. Please download, share, and most importantly, subscribe. And if you haven't already done this, we really appreciate your ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts. This will help us to continue making content for you. You've been listening to Disasters Deconstructed. And don't forget, disasters are not natural. See you next time.
You've been listening to Ksenia, Jason, and us, Mitch Stripling and Andrew McMahon on Disasters Deconstructed, the podcast. 